What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and with us is not Ryan. You're welcome for that, people. You're welcome. We have somebody bigger and better. We have the guy who runs our Grizz Lead account. He is Bailey Caldwell. What's up, Bailey? What's going on, Daniel? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. I'm jacked. It's Sunday. The World Series is happening. And speaking of the World Series, you are down in Atlanta. And I want to know what's going on down in the streets of Atlanta. Man, the city is is electric. It's, it's humming right now. I think after last night's win, the fans are really really laying into it they're not walking on the eggshells it's not the atlanta thing that you normally see and obviously the job's not finished to quote the late kobe bryant but <laughs> you know fa- fans are really feeling a little more confident a little more comfortable and you can feel that i see people at work coming through and they're wearing freddie freeman jerseys you'll see ron lacuna and they're actively talking about it which is not something that you usually see when atlanta right. sports are on the biggest stage so I think that's pretty cool. And then, and then the team has a great injury. They don't seem scared of the moment. You saw that last night. Yeah. They're here and everybody knows they're here. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Braves fan and I've been rocking with them since day one. Uh, my grandmother brought me onto them when I was a little tyke. So shout out Meemaw for that. Um, but as a Braves fan, you don't want to ever think we're good. Like, we're like, we're money. Like we're up three, one because last year we were up three, one about one went away from going to the world series and we lost to, to the Dodgers who we just went up three, one against. Right. So that was weird. Now we're up three, one in the world series. And my mom texted me last night. Woohoo. This is awesome. I'm so excited. We're, you know, we're going to, we're going to win the world series, whatever. And I said, no, 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 no. No. And mom, if you're listening, I said this to you, never too high, never too low. We've been here before we've lost. I've had my complete dreams just shattered and I've been a Braves fan forever. And 95 when they were in the world series is the last time it's been a long time. It's a long time coming and they weren't supposed to be here. They're, they're the team of destiny, but man, I, I am absolutely just, man, I'm, I'm just so thrilled that, they're playing well. If they won, great, right? Like I'm fine with that. Like if they win, I will. I might shed a tear. I don't know. I, I'm a brace. I'm a. I'm a baseball guy. <laughs> I, I played college ball. I've been in it for a long time, and it might be one of those moments where, like, all right, this is you know my my old man, my dad bod. That's where I am. I'm. Uh, I, I might just kind of get a little emotional because it was cool. Uh, and my <laughs> you know my meemaw's still living, right? I might go give her a hug tomorrow. Uh, if for some reason we do win, so it'll be cool. But, uh, but I, I think the city needs it. And I think that the, uh, the Braves, they definitely deserve it, but, but we're going to go ahead and uh, keep getting into the Grizzlies. Now, uh, you know, who did not play well, they're not playing like the Atlanta Braves is your Grizzlies. 
the Grizzlies uh, struggled, struggled. Bailey, if I asked you, was it more of Miami being that good last night or was it the Grizzlies just being that bad? I, I got to give a lot of credits to the Miami Heat. I, I do. They are a really, really good defense this year. Obviously, it's only a short sample, but and yep. they didn't have Bam, which was, you know, I thought we could have capitalized that a little better. I agree. But, I mean, adding P.J. Tucker, you've got Jimmy Butler, who's been consistently one of the better two-way players. Kyle Lowry is still very, you know, fundamentally sound on that end. And and is just a mastermind. He's just a mastermind. He's got him playing a great defensive scheme, a defensive, defensive system that really can make things tough, especially for a younger team like the Grizzlies. So I, I think I want to give more credit to the Heat, but also Taylor Jenkins had some questionable moments. Some shot selection wasn't great. And th- there are still questions that the Grizzlies have to answer. But ultimately, if you would have told me the Grizz are three and three, after their first six, which was a pretty brutal first six, I right, I think I would – I mean, we are here, but I think if you would have told me that, I would have been kind of surprised. Yeah. Three and three, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. if, we're, if we're four and four after the first eight, I think that's a good spot to be in, in all honesty, because we are about to pick up and play, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets on a back-to-back, both at home, which is beneficial – they're not, it's not a back to back days. They have a game Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday against the Wizards. So it's, so they have an off day in between. The team needs it. They did go on a West Coast trip, right? So it's mm-hmm. or game, West Coast trip. It's, that's always tough, especially right away. Uh, that was tough. But I, I think that you summed that up very well. Like three and three to start the season and even four and four potentially. I think that every Grizz you know, fan would have taken that before the season started without seeing, you know, the, how well Ja has played. I think you had taken that, but, but let me get into a little bit of the stats and I'll just go to the box door box score a little bit, but Jimmy Butler led the team last night with 27 points, five rebounds, seven assists. So what kind of game was that? That was a Jimmy Butler game. That's what he does. Those lines are pretty much mirror what his average has been. Kyle Lowry showed up. He did. He, he went four or five from deep, which is he has not done that really all year. Uh, 15 points, eight assists, five rebounds, another solid game. 15 points for Duncan Robinson. He went five of 10 from three-point line. He also had five rebounds. Every player, every starter for them, and every main player that played a lot of minutes had five or more rebounds. You want to talk about P.J. Tucker, five rebounds. Jimmy Butler, five rebounds. Dwayne Dedman, who is their center, played 17 minutes, nine rebounds in 17 minutes. Kyle Lowry, five rebounds. Duncan Robinson, five rebounds. Uh, Caleb Martin, I think, five rebounds. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Hero, six rebounds. That what? That's just all around. That is a good coach team. But it is, it's a team that kind of knows what they're good at. They all rebound the ball really well, which is a tough team to beat because if they're going to do the little things right, they are going to be tough. But uh, last thing I have on them, Tyler Hero, another 22-point night. He went four of eight from deep. That's that's so tough, tough to go against. 
all in all, three-point line, I said on our last podcast that they're shooting roughly 30 to 33-ish three-pointers a game. They shot 37. They made 21 of the 37. They only missed 16 three-pointers. Made 21, missed 16. That's over 50%. That's incredible. They shot like 57% from deep, and that's insane. But the Grizz seem to give up high three-point percentages every night, and you're going up against a team with a Tyler Hero, with a Duncan Robinson, and like you said, with a Kyle Lowry. Yeah, who can knock the knock down that shot pretty easily. And there's one player on the end of the bench that also had five rebounds and three three pointers, and that was Max Struess. Is it yeah. Struess? Struess, yeah, yeah. Like crazy. It, it was top to bottom. I Me, mean, you touched on you touched on Caleb Martin. Yep, twenty six minutes, six of ten from the field, five rebounds. And then if you look at Butler, Lowry, and Martin, all had three steals. Wow. Like there's there's just a lot. And you talked about that team being deep and talented and knowing what they do. And they really put on a clinic. I mean, that just is even without Bam, they yeah. put on a clinic. They did. And, and, and yeah, and I'll get into the, uh, the, the team numbers in a second, but I think you're going to be surprised because I was, I, I watched the game. I saw what happened, but it, it didn't, it looked worse than what the stats say. So sometimes stats do lie, but also understand that when I look at this, it means that the Miami Heat just played a great game. It's really not that the Grizzlies played that bad, except for defensively, which I'll, I'll, I'll talk about in a second when we kind of get into our team notes. But, but um, I, I'm going to leave somebody off for a second, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to him because he's going to be what I have a lot of questions to you about. But first, I'm going to start with Desmond Bain. Five of ten from deep. He had, he had 17 points. Another, another great shooting game. If you're following my best bets, I'm all over Desmond Bain. The books are catching up to his numbers if you're a betting person, but they have not caught up yet. Like I've hit on him every single game. Even when he got hurt, I hit on his number. So just keep pounding Desmond Bain until the number just gets so crazy where, you know, maybe Dylan Brooks comes back, throws a wrench into it. But until then, go after Desmond Bain. But DeAnthony Melton finally stepped back. Uh, into, you know, a good shooting form. He went four or seven from deep uh, now after two bad shooting games. Another five assists, 20 points total. Kyle Anderson shot three of four from deep, 13 points. If Kyle's going to do that, I like him getting the the majority of the minutes off the bench. So I'm not happy with Kyle playing as much if he's not producing, but if he's producing, taking going smaller and playing Steven Adams less minutes, I'm okay with. But I think the game just got out of hand, so that's why Adams only got 19 minutes. Uh, John Morant, another 20-point game, seven assists. He went one of four from deep, so nothing crazy, right? That, that was just an average good game out of him. The person that I'm worried about, and we'll hit on later, is Jaron Jackson Jr. He went 0 of 8 from deep. And in this 24 minutes, he had three rebounds. Three. He wasn't in foul trouble. He wasn't at all. He has to be able to rebound the ball better. Yes, he had two blocks, right? That's cool. Great. But if he's not rebounding the ball, who is? And I think that he – and he's done a really good job of it this year. But but going 0 of 8, and he's only he only took 12 shots. He went 3 of 12 overall. So what that means is he went 3 of 4 from with inside the three-point line. 
He needs to get off the line as much if he's not going to be hitting them in rhythm or maybe taking better three-point shots. And I just, I just think that there has to be some kind of consistency with him. What's your thoughts so far on Jaron on the year? Yeah, so I've, I made a lot of noise about Jaron coming into this year. I was very high on him. I still am. I'm not off the Jaron train by any means. And it's been, it's been, you know, a bit of a struggle out of the gate. He has been kind of inconsistent in, you know, shooting and rebounding the ball, like you mentioned. I was, the last couple of games, he's looked better on the rebounds. But tonight, or last night, pardon me, he did not look great. And I think that ties directly into his poor shooting. I think they go hand in hand. He seems like, he seems to be a very, I'm not sure what the word I want to look for, cerebral player into a sense where it's but not in a sense where he's like picking apart something or kind of adjusts more like one miss or two misses or a few misses and it's really just gets him out of his rhythm out of his game he gets in his head a little bit because you can see sometimes where he's like man that should have went in or man I should have made that whatever and I think that ties into that then leads over to defense and rebounding and overall I don't want to say effort but sometimes because like it seems like he always makes an effort but it's more so about a full possessions worth of effort. Right. I've, I've, I've defended Jaron a lot talking about how I don't feel like he's a natural rebounder, even though he's a seven footer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't often look to box out. He's often, you know, he got that put back dunk and it's like, he's oftentimes using athleticism, right. Like vertically over strength um, in the other direction. And so it's just, you know, there's still a lot to work out and you want to see better from your, your guy. You just extended, but at the end of the day, we're six games into his fourth year, but he's coming off his first like normal off season, the yeah. most normal off season he's ever had. JV's gone again, and so I think getting Stephen Adams was a move betting on Jaron. Yeah, but I also think that obviously the coaching staff is is being kind of patient. I think fans need to be a little more patient with him and let him. You know, get his get get settled. If 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 he's still performing like this by game, I don't know, 15, 20, then I think we have that discussion. But I, I for me, I didn't know what to expect coming out of him. And I was gonna wait 10 or 12 before I really started expressing concerns. Okay. Because I think I think he deserves a little I don't want to say a, a long leash or a real slack leash, but I do think give him time to get settled in because like I said, it's his first kind of normal year, and it's the first year where I think he's really okay. You are now number two, right? This is this is your role. There's no one close. Like JV's gone. He's not our backup. You don't have a crutch. It's Ja, then you, yeah. And like, uh, and um, you know, I saw people talking about his net rating and how it's so much better, but even he hasn't been that great. Like, and I, I think that there are areas where you've seen him be good. But I right. do think also this starting lineup with Bain and Melton having such great starts their year has served as that crutch. Right. And if they return to normal, then the spotlight falls on Jaron even more. So I really think now is the time for him to figure it out and settle in. Yeah. I think um, speaking of the normal, I think the normal, if we're looking at somebody, Desmond Bain. I think this is his new normal. And uh, dude, I, I'm so, I'm so happy that one, that he's a grizzly, but two, that the guy is now just in a second year finding his way. 
And mm-hmm. I think it benefited him going to summer league and being the guy. I really do. Uh, this coaching staff, I, I applaud Taylor Jenkins a lot. Coaching is hard. You don't get the credit when your team does well. Your players do. When your team does bad, it's either you or the superstar. It's either the coach or the superstar that gets you know the negative you know comments or the negative attention. So I want to give a shout out to the coaching staff. They've done a really good job just kind of keeping this team on track. Mm-hmm. It's, the team loves their coach. I know that only can go so far, but I believe in Taylor. I believe in Ja. And as long as those two are together, I, I feel like this team will be good. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about their defensive, you know, strategy uh, later and kind of hit you and see what you think about my opinion on that. But, uh, but let's just look, finish up with this team stats on the, on the heat. They shot 52.3%, you know, from the field behind the three point line. Like you said earlier, 56.8%. The Grizzlies shot, you know, 38 and 32 respectively, 32% beyond the three point line. They went 16, 16 of 50. 50 the last three games they've taken 53 pointers against the blazers 48 three pointers against the warriors and 50 again against the heat that's not that's not the way that we need to be i i know that taylor jenkins has that ltmf line let that mm-hmm. mother fly we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of abbreviate that mm-hmm. that's what he says i'm down with that the team loves it I get that's his style, but they can't shoot that many. There has to be consistency. Plus, teams are going they're kind of allowing you to shoot that many, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that there should be a, a, an even number. I think 40 is a good number. I like 40. That's 10 less, but it also allows you to make sure you get into the paint more because that's what really Jaw's good at. That's what this team's good at. But we were out, out rebounded by 18. They had 50, we had 32. And the rest of the, the rest of the stats. So if you're looking at assists within five of each other, steals within two of each other, we actually had more steals. Uh, blocks, we had five more blocks than they had. Turnovers, we had four less turnovers than they had. Fast break points, we had seven more fast break points than they had. Points in the paint, we were within six of each other. Fouls were exactly even. And the largest lead, we had a zero largest lead, and they had 29. <laughs> looking at those stats... You think, oh my, like, okay, we we won, and I would say beyond besides shooting and rebounding, we won all but one category. That just shows that the Miami Heat just played a great game. They shot so well in the end, and so I know they had a lot more rebounds than we had. Well, yeah, they shot fifty six percent behind three, and we shot thirty two. There's your rebounds. They we were getting them out of the net, and they were getting them off the clank the bricks we were throwing up there bricks, you go. and they were swishing so that that's the difference of that game but uh but before we get into a couple of questions i have about defense and maybe a couple different uh matchups and maybe some dylan brooks questions go ahead and tell the people what's going on with you i know you're big in the WNBA, so uh tell the people what's going on and uh, how everything wrapped up over there yeah so this week we're rolling out on w lead at WNBA lead on twitter uh, we're coming up on 3,000 followers. We're rolling out our first wave of NCAA content this week. My guy Tariq and a few of our other writers, Tariq's kind of heading it because he's really passionate about it. But we're rolling that out, kind of previewing. He's got previews for each class, teams, coaches, everything, really in-depth. 
that's going to roll out. I'm going to do one a day this week. I think their season starts on the 6th, if I recall correctly. So we're rolling those out. We're also, my computer's dead, so I'm in the works of getting that fixed. We've got some overseas stuff coming that I have on there. Uh, that's been kind of hard to track with time zones and things. But we're working on that. We've got a giveaway going on. It ends in the day this is posted, so it'll end tonight. I'll say tonight. And we're giving away four hoodies help people get warm and rep the league. All you got to do, it's pinned to our profile. You can go check that out. We're adding a few people through our recruiting wave that's going on. I've got a list of features that I'm working on. We've got some other ideas in the works. I'm not going to get too far into that, but maybe a mock expansion league is something I'm putting together. It's a lot of fun stuff going on over there. I, I really enjoy the team we have and, you know, their dedication but the biggest off-season endeavor that we're going to start soon is that we're going to dive into the YouTube world. That's going to that's going to happen soon, probably within the week. Whenever I get my computer back, we were going to do it tomorrow, but this computer crash is kind of throwing things off. But <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna dive into the YouTube world on that side as well. It's something a lot of our contributors are interested in, yeah. and something we see as a good lane to to test out. So we're going to dive into that. I guess this is like the kind of official announcement we're going to officially announce even more on leading this week but that, that's where we're at that's what we've got going on over there sweet yeah um i i don't know and i have not watched a lot of the WNBA, but i was paying more attention this year just because of you guys um doing so much and doing so well i know candace parker uh who is uh, a former tennessee ball end up going back to uh, Chicago sky and winning a championship. That was big. Uh, it was cool to see, to see her just still be a baller. You know, she's been around for so long. What, what do you know what season she's in, in her career? This was 14, I believe. I re- yeah. I remember when she was playing for Tennessee and then going and getting drafted. So, uh, but that's, that's been super cool. Uh, if, if, so if you have a chance, go out to at, WNBA lead at WNBA lead. Follow them. Give them a shout out. Uh, what all they want you to do is just go on there. And so you need to do it as you're listening to this on Monday. Go on there, follow, retweet, and then and drop a GIF or GIF. I say GIF, but I, I think it's a southern too, thing. I heard it's GIF. I don't yeah, know. I think it's a southern thing. It's one of them. It's a GIF. Go drop that thing uh, <laughs> in their thing. But that they're doing really well. So Grizzly, what more do you want out of Grizzly? I know we want interaction, so we want to know a little bit about what the fans want. So Grizz901 is a part of Grizzly. We're a part of the lead sports media. So what can the fans give you, or what can we give the fans over at Grizzly? Well, let me start by saying I have to do better on Grizz. The time zone with the Western trip, and again, my computer crashing, I've been slacking a little bit. So let me start by taking that blame because that's on me. But in terms of engagement interaction, if we've got people that, you know, want to join our team, give us some more content flow that would, you know, if you want to come give us some, some written stuff and help help us get some content flow or join our pod network, whatever you want to do. If you want to come join the team, we are still have that recruitment open. So that's, that's a start. Cause like, it's just me and you. And Ryan, by <laughs> extension, I guess. 
so that would that would be cool. But yeah, I mean, I got I got to do a little bit better and get back on that consistently with everything going on on my end. But engagement, interaction, spit whatever you got at me. I'm I'm open to doing whatever. We we had a good year last year, and like I said, I'm kind of getting back into it with my current situation. But opinions, thoughts. You know, if you want to network, if you want to collab, I'm open to anything. So whatever, whatever y'all got. Yeah, I agree. And if you don't know uh, yet, we do have a, uh, a podcast network. It's the Leeds Podcast Network, and it's over there. And uh, go check it out. Uh, if you want to go at the lead SM, you can follow. They have a link tree over there. Go check it out. We're, we're retweeting every single uh, show that that comes on there. So if you if you want to go, make sure you check that out. Me and Ryan have a show on there, um, and it comes out every Monday. It is free basketball, but we're on the Leeds Podcast Network. Uh, but make sure you uh, make sure you subscribe to this show, Grizz Nine Hundred One, because we will have all things Grizzly. So let's keep it going. I got a few questions before we kind of just uh, preview a little bit about the Denver matchup. And we're not going to hit on the Wizards because I will have a show that comes out Thursday that'll that'll review exactly everything that happened the last two games with Denver and then preview the Wizards matchup. Hopefully at that point, we're either four and four or five and three. I'll take either. As long as we're not three and five, I will be a happy camper. I, I just I've been thinking this and it just doesn't make sense. And I don't know it, and I'm going to ask you the question. I don't know if it's more of a coaching style or if it's just the players not being old enough and not being veteran enough to kind of know. But I think that the Grizzlies team defense is our biggest issue. Do you think it's more coaching or do you think it's players? Because I see them rotating. And every time somebody somewhat drives to the basket, we always try to double team, which leaves another person open two people on one is going to leave somebody else open to which last night you saw Duncan Robinson hit open three pointers over and over again, Tyler hero open three pointers. So you think that's a coaching problem or you think that's just the players rotating and not, not understanding. I, at this point, I, I would lead it to be more systemic and be more of a coaching thing. Okay. Obviously, we're still a very young team. We have players who I think are very good defensively. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when you repeat something so many times, either, it, it either is going to come back to the coaching telling you to do it or to not telling you not to do it. Right. At least that's from my perspective. And ever since Taylor Jenkins has been our coach, that's kind of how things have operated. That seems to be a trend over the past, what, two and a half, three years, however long he's been there. Yeah. And – so to me, I believe it's his philosophy. And obviously Memphis is kind of used to that. You shut down the paint style of play, but in the modern right. NBA, you can't get away with that because you're going to face teams that have so many shooters. And as we touched on before, the Grizz haven't quite shown the ability to match that shooting prowess that they're giving up. Yeah. So I, I do, I think it's probably more systemic than anything. What I don't understand is Jimmy Butler is putting up 27 points and we're still double teaming him. So that's an issue in itself, but also their kick Jimmy Butler is able to still kick out to open shooters. And when you have a shooter like, you know, Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero and hero is going what eight of 19 overall, but four of eight from deep. 
Duncan Robinson's going five of 10 from deep. Kyle Lowry, who's averaging eight points, is going five of eight from deep. That's an issue. Uh, like, I'm sorry, I said five of eight from deep, four of five from deep. But that's an issue. And the other thing is, like, P.J. Tucker is standing in the corner, standing in the corner, and we're closing out hard on a guy that went one for one from deep with five points. Why would we close out on somebody who, who, who cares if he shoots? Let, he's not putting up 30 points. Let him, let him shoot as much as he wants. It just does not make sense to me. Yeah, and statistically, I know P.J. Tucker has been like the best corner three-point shooter in the league, but he doesn't shoot a high volume, or he's not going to shoot a high volume in the Heat system. Right. And so that's, that's where, you, yeah, I'm with you. You kind of play the game of like, okay, we don't, we don't, he's going to hit it more than likely. But he's gonna hate what four? He's gonna go four ten, right? Right, like he's gonna make like four. But it, the thing about it against the Heat is that Jimmy Butler is—he's dynamic, but he's not as dynamic as some other players that maybe warrants a double team, right? Because he's—he he shot what one three ball, I think. Yeah, one. And Jimmy Butler uses his strength, he uses his craft in the mid range area, and he—he he likes to draw fouls. He is very right. good at drawing fouls. To me, he's not a type of player you send a double team to. No. Because the way he plays, I don't want to say it's easy to stop because it's obviously not easy to stop, but it's more limited than a LeBron or a Luka or a Giannis or any. Like, it's just more limited compared to those guys as how much damage he can truly do to you. Yeah. And so, to me, the way they defended him, like you said, was kind of different because he has those weapons around him because he's going to get two points yes two but if you if you force him to give up the two for the three you are mathematically losing the game right so i i I do agree that double teaming works for certain matchups but last night was not one of those matchups to me that screams oh we're gonna throw an extra body at jimmy butler every time yeah and and that's what i just it just does not, nothing makes sense to me in the coaching in that. And I, and I love Taylor and the staff there completely, but it just does not make sense. Jaron Jackson jr. Is a seven footer, right? With a really long reach. If he is guarding somebody and, and like PJ Tucker and he's in the corner, you go over and you just show that you're going to play defense. Right. But you don't have to completely close out on a player like that. Worst case, he shoots. You're still in good rebounding position. You're still able to help and show Jimmy, Jimmy, you're not going to drive this way because I'm over here helping just in case. I'm not closing out on you. So if you want to shoot your mid-range from 15 to 20 feet out, go ahead. We have a defender already on you. We'll give you a hand in the face. And if you hit it and you go off for 30, What's the difference? We're not going to give up to the other players that are shooting wide open threes. This team closes out so much. And I know that's majority of you don't want to be in the paint and be standing there not guarding a player, but don't be in the paint. Like you just, you don't have to be in the paint. You have one foot in one foot out and just kind of be there as a deterrent from coming into the lane. You don't actually have to go all the way to them and close out completely and double team. So that's what I, that's what my question has been this whole time is I was always taught, like you want to show, but you don't really want to go. You only want to go if you want to do a complete trap because 
it's somebody who isn't a good player, and you hope that they just kind of freak out and throw a, you know, a, a turnover, right? You're causing chaos. That's fine. But when you do it every single time down the court, that does not make sense to me. And so yeah. that they're, just – it's frustrating. They're still – Seeming to me, obviously, again, we go back to being a young team with a young coach. They're still trying to find that balance of over and under committing and then over committing to make up for their under commitment type thing. Right. Try, trying to find that balance of, OK, I can stay here and still make a play on this drive or the passing lane and still have time to get out and contest that shot. Yeah, I, I, but, I agree. But the Grizz have a great player development system in place that I think can help show the players that better mm-hmm. but then again i also do think some of it comes back to taylor jenkins system yeah i think you're right on that because there has to be a reason because that I, I don't see anybody else doing that in all honesty it just doesn't yeah. make sense to much and i do i i can say pretty confidently that the return of dylan brooks will not only lower the need for that but help fix that balance a little bit won't fix it 100 but he'll, he'll really help stabilize that in because if you have respect to melton and bain if you have dylan brooks as your matchup against the jimmy butler type then there's a lot less pressure on everyone around you yeah and, and it could stem from that but speaking of dylan brooks there's been a lot of talk and the grizzlies have you know played well at times they played bad at times the you know the two game two of the three games they lost um they were to Portland. They got blown out. They were to the Heat. They got blown out. Both good teams, right? And they took a loss to the Lakers. So all three losses have been to good teams. Let's, they're all going to be playoff teams. Let's just be honest that they're good teams. And there's nothing that really, you know, you, you can have a bad night and get exposed real, real fast against a good team. But Dylan's coming back. And there have been conversations within Grizz Twitter are they going to bring Dylan off the bench when he comes back? Or do you think he starts right away? That's a great question because obviously he's coming back from, you know, a, a, a pretty extended absence. Right. And, I you're, really, a, and you're a Denny Anthony Melton guy. I so am. You're torn. I am. Uh, but I, I do think the final starting lineup is going to be Bain and Brooks. At okay. those two spots, I think Bain has absolutely warranted that. And as long as he continues to shoot consistently, and I really like the way Taylor Jenkins has used him this year. Right. I think that I think that has a lot to do with that. I think they're really like, okay, you've got that thing on you. We can really like treat you sort of like the Heat do Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that has a lot to do with it. But also, he's just playing confidently. And Bain does a lot more than like some of the more spot up shooters more than a Duncan Robinson does more yeah. than, you know, some of the other knockdown shooters. But I think all of that combined with the Dylan Brooks impact will be, I think that'll be a really deadly starting five. That said, I could see them starting him and playing him low minutes when he comes back. Okay. As opposed to starting or coming off the bench for his first couple games back. So maybe playing bench numbers of minutes as a starter, right? Try to get his rhythm back, because. But I, 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 again, I think he'll elevate even just what he brings from a mentality standpoint. Those yeah. kind of intangibles that he brings, that energy, that leadership, putting it in that starting lineup, will really solidify that. And I do think 
Melton getting that confidence and taking it back to the bench unit, which has been very lackluster in my eyes so far, yeah. would kind of serve as a as could be a, the catalyst for them to get it going as well, especially as someone who did so well in that role last year. Yeah, I'm excited to see Dylan come back because there's something that I've been kind of watching and everybody else has been watching in the NBA so far. And it's been the the non-foul calls. Well, guess what? We have a guy who's leading every year in fouls <laughs> and a foul percentage, Dylan Brooks, and he's coming back to a different NBA. Man, that could be good because the fouls that aren't being called now, well, that's really the only fouls that he does. The, you know, kind of people dip into you and he, and because he's playing so close, he's, he's in people's underwear. Like he's sharing the underwear of the other guy. Like they're sharing the same, yeah. they're sharing the same streaks. They are. And they, that is the reason that he's getting all those fouls. And so I'm excited because if he comes back and if he's shooting the ball well, and he's not getting all the stupid foul calls that they've called in the past, you know, seasons now with people leaning into you and all that other stupid crap that they finally have gotten away from. I think that Dylan could be dynamite. And I agree with you. I think he comes, uh, becomes a starter again. I, I, I do think that the first few, few games he will play 22 to 27 minutes. It won't be 30 plus I wouldn't imagine, but with a hand injury, you can keep your legs under you. Uh, that's not an issue in, in my opinion. So it, I know him being just crazy enough, just <laughs> crazy enough. He, he'll, he'll be okay. So uh, no, no, yeah, doubt he's, he's a legitimate psychopath on the court in the best way, yeah. in the absolute best way. You, you talk about those fouls. I think this year, and I, you could have made a case, I think last year, given the fouls, but he may sneak onto an all defense. That would, I mean, he's that type of, he's an old school type defender. Like he's in your grill, in your face. Like, and I remember last year when we played the Hawks, like Trey Young almost broke this man's jaw jumping into him and he just kind of shrugged it off. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's funny to cross paths real quick. They had Leonard Fournette mic'd up last game and I saw a video of him laughing when he would get tackled. That's how (laughs) Dylan Brooks is, but on the basketball court. Yeah, he's definitely uh, he's that crazy. That's a good yeah. that's a good comparison. He, he I I he's the guy that you hate. He's the Tony Allen like you hate to be playing against him, but he's he's on your team like you love it. Like right. he's that guy, and so I'm excited. Um, somebody that I think that could hurt from that, and I don't want to go too much into this at all, but uh, but we we still see some weird minutes between Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman. With Dylan Brooks coming in, obviously that slides much to the bench. That probably puts John Conchar out of the rotation completely. I think they push John Conchar out, keep Zaire Williams in, but it will be weird because you're still going to have that split, which is it doesn't make sense all the time, the split between X and Clark. So I'm curious to see how that continues to play out. But but let's just talk briefly about it. And I don't want to get into too long at all about the Nuggets series, because I think that we don't know enough about these Nuggets yet. And they're a tough team. They're going to be tough right now. It's really a 50, 50 split. There's no lines on this game as we're recording, but the Grizzlies play the Nuggets at home at the grindhouse, both Monday and Wednesday. Both Monday and Wednesday, the Nuggets are four and two on the season so far, and they played pretty well. 
they're not scoring like a normal Nuggets team. They put up 100, uh, 110 that I see as their, as their team high over the course of the first six games. And that's just it, that's not normal for them, in my opinion. And they have taken a loss to the Cavaliers and the, and the Jazz back-to-back games. They have now beaten the Mavericks and the Timberwolves on back-to-back games. So they're heading in a two-game win streak to the grindhouse completely. So I'm curious how this is going to go this year. And so we'll see how it goes. Um, but I think that the Grizzlies do match up well against them. But the only issue is, in your opinion, who guards Jokic? Is it going to be Steven Adams? Are we going to try to go small with Kyle Anderson? Is it Brandon Clark? Is it Xavier Tillman? Do we throw out our long arm friend and Jaron Jackson Jr. to just to foul him every time? Like, what are your thoughts on who guards him? I mean, I feel like you have to go with Steven Adams just okay. because no one else can match that bulk. It, for me, it would be Adams and Tillman would be okay. the main two because for everything Jokic does, he doesn't do it with a lot of above the rim play. He's very right. strong. He's very wide. And you want to keep him out of the low post if all possible. Right. And I think those two are stronger players that present the best option to do that, even if you deal with post fadeaways or post hooks that are contested, whatever to try to keep him out of his rhythm, to keep him from bully balling inside. And also when he bully balls inside, that's where the defense collapses and when his passing ability is really, really on display. So I think if you put one of our stronger players on him and just kind of tell everyone to stay home, you know, we talked about those gambles on those double teams and things. Don't do that against him. No, no. Do not do that against him because the Nuggets are also full of players that are like the – quintessential Grizz killers over the past couple years. Like a Will Barton could mm. come out and put up like 32 points out of nowhere. Compazzo is the type of guy I could see just having some really random one-off game. Like they, they, they have a squad for Aaron Gordon mm. could turn into, <laughs> you know, Larry Bird one night and just knock down like eight, three. Like those are the type of players that have really random nights against Memphis and the Nuggets have like four of them. So I think I think you just bet on making Jokic have to do what he does, but don't make it easy on him. And you throw those stronger plays against him and tell everybody else to just kind of hold your man. Right. I, I agree with that completely. If you look at the starting lineup, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Marcus Monte Morris, I'm going Marcus Morris, Monte Morris, they're all averaging between 10 to 15 points a game. All of them. The highest is 15. I think that's Will Barton. The lowest is 10. So they're not going to absolutely kill you. Michael Porter Jr. is only averaging 10 points a game. He's going to have good games. Last game, he scored seven points. Like, they're not going to kill you offensively unless you don't play them well. And that's, that's right. really what it all comes down to. Uh, Jokic, as you've seen, he, he's going to get – he's averaging 24, 24 points, 14, almost 15 rebounds, and five and a half assists a game. If I had to give you – $100, free money. There's two games against the Grizzlies. Mr. Jokic has not had a triple-double this season in those first six games. Would you bet, if I gave you the choice, at plus 100 odds, that Jokic 
gets a triple double in one of these first two games against the Grizzlies, which would you do? Yes or no? My first instinct that came to mind was no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with no. I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm gonna go with the first one that came to mind. All right, I like it. Um, I'm gonna say he does 100. percent And the simple fact is, we are terrible defensively. He just put up seven assists. He's gonna get ten rebounds 100 percent because we obviously shoot 50 three pointers. Okay, <laughs> so we obviously are not a very good three point shooting team so far. He's going to get the rebounds. He's only averaging five and a half assists. He just put up seven assists against the Timberwolves. I think that he can get a little better against wide open players because we're going to do something stupid and not rotate properly. And he's going to have, I don't know, whoever, you name him. He can have Compazzo in the corner and he's going to drain a three in our eye. So I think that he does go triple-double hunting against us at one game. I would be if you gave me the option. I would bet on him having a twenty rebound game before I would a triple double against the Grizzlies. Wow. Okay. Um, whew. I, I. You know what? This week, if you don't mind, you're hearing it live. We're talking through it. Please put that up into a Twitter poll via Grizzly via via yeah. Grizzly. Um, Either a Michael Porter Jr., not Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, triple-double, or Jokic, 20-plus rebounds. And that has to be per game. We can't combine his rebounds, people. Don't be stupid. I'm not a dummy. I can, I'm, not a, I'm not a math major, and I'm not smart, but I'm not that dumb. I know he's doing that. He'll, he'll probably go off for 25 rebounds in the or two games against us for sure. Uh, he'll probably what will end up happening. He'll have like a 38, 20, and 12 game or something crazy like that. Get both, both win. in one. <laughs> <laughs> We're both smart. Uh, all right, so the important question of the day, what's the record? Two games, both against the Nuggets, both at home, Monday and Wednesday. What's our record? I'm going to take a split. Okay. Win Which- one, lose one. All right, if you had to guess, because that's mine too, and I've kind of gave it away earlier, one and one. Who do you? What game do you think they win? Do you think they go for it? They're pissed off. They just got blown out by the Heat, or do you think we get our butts kicked again and we pick up the Wednesday one? You know, if you had to guess, I think we lose a close one first game and take the second game not as close. Okay, so we win in a big game Wednesday. Yes. Okay, I like it. Um, I, I think that what ends up happening is I think they win this first game. And I believe that we still catch people off guard because we do shoot a lot of three-pointers, and that's not our normal style. I think we can get up and down, and we can get exposed, but I think sometimes it takes people, you know, realizing kind of how we play now, and they kind of, you know, go and, you know, break us down. And then Wednesday, they kind of kick our butts before we go, you know, on a road trip to go play the Wizards. But we'll see. I hope we go 2-0. I hope we're 5-3 and three talking about this on Thursday. But if not, worst case, we got to take one of these at home. We have got to. to. Must have got important. to. All right, Bailey, anything else that you have this week before we get out of here? I have a question for you. Ooh, I like it. So I know you were a huge JV guy. And mm. obviously he's now crossed enemy lines. What have you thought about Steven Adams so far? as in terms of not necessarily individual production, but as a fit. 
Okay. I like it. So I miss JV, but as I've said on this podcast numerous times, I think it was needed. It, it's just like, like my daughter just got a brand new bike without training wheels for her birthday this week. It's been a, it's been a process. It's, it's going to be a continual process trying to teach this kid how to go on her own and not kill herself. Right. That's, that's our mm-hmm. job. I think that's the same job of the front office is you took the training wheels off by taking JV away. And mm-hmm. so JV is a much better player one-on-one who they are completely JV 10 times out of 10, I would take because he can score as he's shown. He is rebounding his butt off right now. He is, he's playing great and he's playing like he was in Memphis, if not better in all honesty, he's finding his little niche down there. But I think you had to take the training wheels away. What I have not liked is they're not giving Steven Adams 25 plus minutes a game. They're not giving him, you know, close to 30. I think he, I think jaw needs him and I think they need to use him differently. And I think they need to use him, you know, much better than they are. They can give him the ball at the high post because he is a great passer. What they're doing now is they're allowing jaw to handle the ball all the time. Every now and then they'll bring up Steven Adams to run a pick and roll with him or just use him as a screener only and let jaw get into the teeth of the defense. But it's not a consistent, you know, offense at all. Like, as you could seen, when Tyus Jones comes in the game, that puts jaw off the ball. Jaw is really good off of the ball because teams now have to respect where the ball is and where jaw is, not both. Like, if jaw has the ball, they know that they're together. That's the only thing that's going to happen is so – I think that they could get more in the ball into Steven Adams' hands, letting some, you know, back screens or some off-ball screens happen, more of a motion-type offense. Um, And I think, you know, we've seen that over the course of some games against us. I know that the Warriors run a really good offense. I would love to see us run more of the Warriors-type offense because I think that's really the style we need to play is more of the – more of the screening off ball and and less of the standing around. So if it was my opinion, I do like it. I like Steven Adams. He's played well. I just don't think we're using properly just yet. Yeah. And that's exactly what I think too. I, I agree. He's I, what you lose in a pick and pop from JV, even on a a small volume you get with like a pick and then a pass. I think he's a really good passer for a big. I also think his time playing with the Westbrook kind of helps him play with job better just yeah. because of, you know, really athletic, hyper-athletic point guard. But I do agree. I think there's more ways they could utilize him. First off, playing a few more minutes each night. And I really think that one thing that I haven't seen a lot of yet that I really want to see them kind of implement is when they have Adams and Jaron on the floor, how to get Jaron involved inside more. Hmm. Because Steven Adams is more of a paint bound, he's not the stretch threat that, JV was again on low volume. I would love to see if they do a high pick and roll with Ja, they just drop it off to Steven Adams and have Jaron get a back screen or something, get post position, right. high low type thing. Because I do think last night against the Heat, that's something they could have done. And looking at the Nuggets matchup, the Nuggets don't have someone that can match up with Jaron Jackson Jr. They just don't. Yeah. Aaron Gordon is 6'9, I think. Michael Porter Jr. has a little more length, but is not strong enough. I, I just think that they need to find ways to put him in positions to succeed that aren't just knocking down three balls because we see what happens when they aren't falling. And I think 
the domino effect of that is utilizing Steven Adams better in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that Michael Porter Jr. Probably, I don't know, Aaron Gordon, you know, he, I wouldn't say he's better defensively. I think he's less defensively, uh, but Aaron Gordon, six, eight, Michael Porter Jr. Six, 10. Uh, so they are, you know, they're not small, but they're not as big as Jaron is. And I've said this and I was on the last podcast. So if you didn't hear it, me and Ryan just kind of talked about it. My question was, is, is Jaron, is he the easiest player outside of Steven Adams? Steven Adams is what he is. Like he is a guy who's going to rebound, get putbacks. He's not going to be a guy who you have to worry about offensively, but he's, he's still a threat, but he's just, you know, obviously he's not known to be that. So we're, I'm going to bring him out of it. Outside of everybody else, is Jaron the easiest to defend on offense because he doesn't do anything but shoot threes, and they're all just walk up, step up threes. You're not guarding it no matter what. So just put that out of your mind. You're not going to be able to stop block his shot. He's seven foot, seven foot one now maybe, and he's just and he's throwing it up. Okay, so you're not blocking that. You're just hoping to that he misses. What is el- what else is he doing? He's not offensive rebounding. So he's not in there rebounding. He's literally standing behind the three-point line all the time. So I think that I think he is the easiest person to defend right now on the offensive, you know, end if you're a defensive team. So I I, I agree. I think trying to figure out how to get Steven at I'm sorry, how to get Jaron into the offense better is good. Working out maybe minutes to where Jaron comes in and they play small. Jaron is now the center when Steven Adams goes out. So trying to figure out, you know, quarters, you know, end of quarter one, two, three, you know, trying to figure out how to get, you know, Jaron in there being the big guy and running pick and rolls with, with Ja or even Tyus. What, what's wrong with that? Getting him more involved. And if it is him and with Steven Adams, having be on the strong side, have Jaron be on the strong side. So you have Ja at the top with, with Steven Adams going to pick and roll. Jaron on the strong side, the weak side, you have both Melton or Brooks and you have Bain just ready to shoot three pointers, ready just to just throw in fireballs. So Ja, whatever side Ja goes to, he can go strong side and he has Jaron just sliding straight down into a nice post-up game, or he can just go the cup. Uh, ja can go the cup, dish off to Jaron if his guy breaks off of him. Jaron should be able to come in with a nice dunk, right? Which makes sense. If he goes the other way with a Steven Adams screen, you have two of the best shooters on your team standing there. So if they don't, if their guys don't help off of him, Jaws one-on-one, I feel good about that. If one of their guys come off, it's an easy pass to an open three. I don't understand why it's so hard. You don't have to go so hard and so difficult offensively. It's that simple. You have a really good screener, and you just use your guys to their best benefit. Am I am I am I the smartest guy in the room, or just are we just <laughs> stupid? Like, and I, we just don't know what we're doing. Like, I don't I don't understand. I almost think sometimes, again, being such a young team with such a young staff, they overthink. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot, and sometimes you can see it. And I I do think that we've seen flashes from Jaron before when he puts the ball on the floor, right especially using his left hand and his length going over defenders, I think is something. And I do think ultimately a lot of that falls back to him just doing it. Yeah. But I also don't feel that he always gets the ball in a position to successfully or easily do that. 
And so I, I think they have to figure out how to use him because right now he's essentially a seven foot two guard. He is. And he's and, he's outside on the perimeter, the top of the perimeter, right? And we're running either Kyle Anderson if he's in the game at the corner. Desmond Bain is on, you know, probably him or Melton are on one side by themselves. And like put those two together. Put your two shooters on the same side of the court. That way their guys have to guard one of them. If they don't guard but one, the other one's wide open. Like the easy passes, instead of having to make them use the whole full court or a whole end to end, you know, pass. I just, you don't right. want to have to throw a, a, a completely a, a pass to go all the way to the other side. So, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I'm, yeah. I get frustrated with them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I, I think that's another reason why I think people should be giving Jaron a little more leeways because it's not just him figuring out certain things it's the coaching staff still figuring out how to utilize him healthy and I, I, every every report i'm saying is that he's a little taller and just yeah. more developed like you know we he hasn't been the letdown to me that i think people say that he has been because the circumstances haven't allowed him haven't allowed us to see him for what he actually is and if we see what he actually is this year and it's not where he should be then that's one thing but it's just been a really slow start to his or not slow but a really weird start to his career and i really think that this is the year for him to be kind of make or break yeah yeah man i I, i'm i'm frustrated with the defensive part the offense you know that it does get frustrating but i just because i think it's simple but the defense is even more simple like it's just don't help so much yeah it's that simple and, and the Grizz have some great defenders like they do individually they have yes. good individual defender not you don't have you know five tony allens running around the court but they have smart like I, desmond bain's defense always surprises me because yeah. you hear about him being what is he six six and he has like a six six wingspan so a lot of people think yeah. well he can't be a good he's a smart strong defender like right. he's not gonna have the length to bother you, but he's going to have everything else. He uses his feet well, positions his bodies well. Like, he's he's a smart defender, and I think you can see that. De'Anthony Melton's the same way. He's got more length, uh, but he's a little smaller, but he's just a pest. He timed that, that inbound steal mm. is the Warriors. Like, that's yeah. an incredibly hard play to make, and he made that play. You know, and even inside, Steven Adams is a good rugged defender. I do think Jaron has improved in that regard using his length, going for contests instead of blocks. He still goes for some poorly timed blocks. But, I, I mean, the defenders on the team, I think, are good enough to where you can rely on them in a one-on-one situation and pick your spots of when to to help more. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, that's all we have this week. Uh, we know we kind of long. I was on my uh, rant for forever, it felt like. Um, just, you know what? It's a safe space. You know, it, it was last night kind of, made me mad thankfully my bravos won it was uh we're now at three one like we just talked about and i am jacked and tonight is game five so if you're a Braves fan god if we win tonight i'm going crazy going crazy it's gonna be exciting um we're gonna we're gonna include bailey in a a little bit more (laughs) just for the simple fact that one I think hearing the same two people over and over and over again just kind of gets boring. But on the other side of that, I have some people lined up and I've shared with Bailey who they are. 
and just waiting on confirmations for them. And I have a few more up my sleeve that I am waiting on as well. So you're going to be thrilled. They will be people that you know. There will be some people from Memphis that you know. There'll be some huge Ja Morant fans that you know, some huge Jaron Jackson Jr. fans you know. They're going to be national people. National. Big. Like national. Yep. So I have uh, six people in the hopper right now, and I've only shared two with uh, you, Bailey. Uh, and so I have four others that I have not shared okay. anybody uh, with so far. So still going to hold them uh, a little bit close to the vest just to make sure that everything pans out. But we're getting closer on two of the six. So, uh, But that's all we have. Uh, hopefully the Grizz go ahead and win, win these next two. Uh, and that would be just you know thrilled. Another you know, quick trip out to Washington. That way we can win that uh, one as well on Friday. But we have three games this week. Hopefully it is a two-in-one week, 3 a week would be great. But as long as it's not a one-in-two week, I will be here in a good mood. So, But like I said, that's all we have. Y'all have a great week. Bailey, thank you for joining us. Sure. Everybody else, be nice and tell your friends. <laughs>